0: your Bibles with you. Just want to look at two brief verses in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs. The first one we'll look at is Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 of Proverbs chapter 12 will be the first verse we look at. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, please hear this public reading of God's word. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And If you'll just flip over to chapter 18, we're going to read verse 21 of chapter 18, a very familiar verse in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 of Proverbs chapter 18, here's the word of the Lord, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. One commentator on the book of Proverbs said that the book of Proverbs has more to say about our words than anything else it addresses in our lives. More about our words than anything else it addresses in our lives. So the question would be, why do you think the book of Proverbs has more to say about our words than anything else it addresses? Well, Alistair Begg, he says this, it is in this area, the area of our words, it is in this area, the area of our words that all of us sin most readily. In the area of our words, this coming week, is the easiest way that we're going to sin is going to be with our words. So quickly and so easily, we can sin with our words. Therefore, we need biblical wisdom to help us with our words, and thankfully, the Bible is filled with biblical wisdom about our words. We just looked at two verses. The second one that we read, Proverbs 18:21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What an amazing contrast, death and life in the power of the tongue of the tongue. Our words can bring life. Our words can edify. Our words can encourage and lift up. Our words, as Paul says, can give grace to those who hear. How amazing is that? But our words can bring death. Our words can harm others. Our words can tear others down. We can sin so easily with our words. The point of Proverbs 18:21 is that our words have power, immense power. Our words matter. The words that we spoke before this church service started, they Matter The words that we will speak after this church service ends, they matter. All the conversations that we're going to have this week, they all matter. Our text messages and phone calls and emails and social media posts, they all matter because our words have power. A couple different commentators put it like this. They said, much of the strife in our families and offices and dorms and churches and nations is because of foolish. Words. A lack of self-control when it comes to our tongues destroys marriages, families, and friendships, but we often underestimate the importance of our words. So as we come to our time of confession today, a question to consider would be have our words brought life? Have our words built up and edified and encouraged, or have our words been harmful and torn down? others. And then Proverbs 12:18 that we looked at first said, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Have we spoken rashly and recklessly with our words? It's so easy just to speak rashly and recklessly when we should hold on to those words and not speak them or have our words brought healing. So let me just end with a story from the life of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones, well-known preacher from last century. If you know his story, he was heading for what looked to be a successful medical career. He's gonna become a doctor and then God called him away from the medical profession and called him to be a preacher. And the first church that he went to was in a place called Aberavon in Wales, a poor area in Wales. And he served there for, I think, 10 or 11 years as a pastor in Aberavon, Wales, before he went to London. So a poor area there. And he just began to faithfully preached the gospel in AberAvon, and over the first several years there, he saw a genuine revival break out. A genuine spiritual revival broke out in AberAvon, and he saw lots of people coming to saving faith. One of those people was a man named William Thomas. Before his conversion, William Thomas lived a very sinful life. He was a man who was really addicted to alcohol and would often get drunk, so he was a heavy drinker, and you would often find William Thomas would be alone at the bar, drinking himself into drunkenness, and no one would be around him because no one wanted to be around him because of his filthy language, and he was just generally unpleasant to be around. And one Sunday afternoon, he was at the bar, and he was alone, and he was drinking himself into drunkenness, and he overheard a conversation between two people close to him, and he heard something about a preacher, he heard something about a sermon, and then he heard this sentence that stuck with him. Yes, said the one man to the other, I was there last Sunday night, and that preacher said nobody was hopeless. He said there was hope, for everybody. William Thomas knows himself to be a sinner, and he hears that there is hope for everybody. He thinks, if there's hope for everybody, then there's hope for even me, a sinner such as myself. I'm going to go to that chapel next Sunday and hear what that preacher has to say. The next Sunday comes, and he made his way to the chapel but he couldn't get the nerve to walk into the front door. He turned away and went home. The next Sunday, he came back to the chapel. He stood outside the gate, but they were singing inside, and I think that made him nervous. He didn't want to walk in late, so he turned around again. The third Sunday, he went back to the chapel. He froze again again at the gate, but somebody recognized him and said, hey, Bill, aren't you coming in? Why don't you come in and sit with me? Come and sit with me. And so finally, on the third Sunday, William Thomas walked into that chapel to hear Martin Lloyd-Jones preach the gospel. And he walked into that chapel dead in his sins, and he walked out alive, a new creature in Christ Jesus. He sat there listening to Martin Lloyd-Jones faithfully preach the gospel, and he understood the gospel. He understood his need for a Savior, and he understood that Jesus had died in his place, and he turned from sin, and he trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He said, a great peace came over him, and the people who saw him that day said his face was actually radiant that day. New creature in Christ. I thought about Jose Rodriguez this morning. He was converted right down here after the service, just tears streaming down his face. Radiant with joy was Jose. Radiant was William Thomas. The problem with William Thomas was he still had trouble controlling his tongue. He had such a lifetime of using filthy language, he could hardly speak without cursing. So he didn't say much in Christian settings because he was afraid of what might slip out of his mouth. And then one morning, he was looking for his socks and he couldn't find his socks. And he yelled out in frustration a couple of curse words towards his wife in frustration. And As soon as those curse words left his mouth, a great horror possessed him. And he falls back down on his bed and in despair, he cries to the Lord. This just moved me. He moves, goes to the throne of grace and said, oh Lord, cleanse my tongue. Oh, Lord, I can't ask for a pair of socks without swearing. Please have mercy on me and give me a clean tongue. And here's what the biographer says. And as he lay there and as he got up from that bed, he knew that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His prayer, his cry of agony was heard and answered. And it was his testimony that from that moment to the end of his days, no swear word or foul word ever passed his lips. I am sure that all of us struggle controlling our tongues, but have we ever humbled ourselves like William Thomas and prayed for help to control our tongues? I'm convinced that we need to be praying about our words over and over and over again for help controlling our tongues, for help speaking words that will give grace to those who hear because death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'll give you a few moments to pray silently and I'll close this in prayer. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I think that we would all agree with Alistair Begg who said it was in this area, the area of our words, that all of us sin most readily. Sadly, Father, that is the case. So often we just can sin so easily with our words, Father. So forgive us for speaking recklessly and rashly this past week when we should have just been silent. Forgive us for speaking words that have torn down, that have hurt and harmed others. Forgive us for speaking sinful words. But Father, we are thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful that He never uttered a single sinful word in His entire life. We're thankful that when He was reviled, He did not revile in return, but He continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. And Father, we are thankful that His perfect life is credited to our account. If we turn from sin and rest in His finished work, then we are covered in the perfect, spotless righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're thankful that our sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. Father, we would ask that you would help us to guard our words, help us to remember the power of our words, and I pray that our words would bring life, that our words would edify and encourage, and our words would give grace to those who hear. Father, I pray even now as we sing that you would be glorified in our singing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.